Hello and what is up, Bold Crew? Before we get to the podcast that you are here to listen to, I just want to make a special announcement. The Twin Cities by Night crew has decided to add an additional member to the gang. What does that entail? That means that not only will you be able to potentially play in a future Demon the Fallen game that we will be running for a podcast and YouTube series, but you'll also be able to become part of the gang and be involved in future podcasts and other games that we may have going on on the channel. So how can you apply for this? First, you'll need to stop by our Discord that you can find in this podcast description and get details on how to apply. We'll be accepting applications until September 30th, 2018. And from there, we'll make a decision. We will let you know if you are the one who will become part of the Twin Cities by Night gang. I hope to see you all there. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to us on that same Discord. Good luck. Now I bring to you the future podcast. Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Changing the Lost Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played by Slavic, and Adam as a storyteller as they uncover the mysteries of the true fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Alright, so picking up from where we left off last time, we have uh, Raymond, who has found himself stuck in the hedge. Frank and Manny are in Frank's apartment right now, kind of uh, Manny waiting for for Raymond to reach out, hopefully. Katrina is with Norma in the library, consoling her after giving her the news of Charlie's demise. And Isabel has just met with with Ronnie and Melissa of the Crow People, and she's kind of just uh, let them know or informed them of what happened to Charlie kind of seeking seeking some justice. So let's pick it up with Frank and Manny right now. You guys are both sitting in your apartment, very small apartment, and you guys are both at the table right now. There's there's nothing you can hear that you can hear the ceiling fan kind of just just humming in the distance, but there's no other sounds really. There's no TV on. You don't hear anything in the hallway from the other apartments or the buildings. The apartment feels especially small now that you have a guest. And as you both are sitting at the table, you can kind of feel the, the extra heat that's in the room, both from just having another person in there, but also from uh, Manny's summer court mantle, which is just emanating a sort of heat as he, as he sits brooding. Every now and then, he'll reach down and uh, glance at his pager and just kind of um, look back up and with a with a dis- distressed sort of expression, he'll uh, he'll play with the dog a little bit as as it runs around, you know, trying to sniff out this new guest and stuff. Money. I just really thought he'd call by now, Frank. Kind of makes me worried. Maybe they already got to him. Do you maybe want a sandwich or something? Oh wait, wait. Uh, no thanks, bud. I'm I'm not hungry. Could use a beer though if you got one. Oh yeah, I'll always make sure to. Stock up on beer. 
sort of, you know, slowly. I guess I'm not sure if Frank even like has a kitchen or something. It like it'd like be a tiny corner of that one room apart. And that would probably be like the room that you guys are in now. Yeah, like, exactly. Behind the chair is probably a fridge yeah. that you have to kind of push the chair in to open all the way. It's like a really small apartment. Um, yeah, that's these, these are basically just only for one one or two people. But yeah, so he'll he'll take the beer and take a big long sip from it and put it back down on the table, kind of twirling the bottle a little bit as he as he stares off. He's like, "I'll give him ten more minutes and then I'm gonna head home." All right, I I told him that when he when he calls, I was gonna have you convene with him, see what see what the deal is. But I think he might have just might have just taken off. Think he ran? You know, I, I'm not really sure. I wouldn't have thought him to run, but I mean, nothing really surprises me anymore. Well, if he did, well, uh, we'd just have to hunt him down. Manny, Manny smiles at that, and he, um, you guys just kind of wait another ten minutes in silence. He finishes his beer and um, gets up and and kind of uh, pats you on the back and and says that he's going to be going and to to give him a call. If anything sort of happens. I mean, Manny, if you want to stay, I think I still have some boxed wine here somewhere. He he looks back and he, he kind of chuckles at that and he's like, maybe another time, Frank. Hang on to that, will you? Of course, Manny. I'll save it for you. He steps out the door and, and shuts it lightly behind him. You you hear his, uh, his car start up and he kind of takes off. Katrina... We're going to jump to you and Norma at the library right now. You guys have kind of been hanging out for the past hour or so, not really saying much either. She's just been kind of grieving, and you've been consoling her, um, getting her tissues and, and water and just telling her it's going to be okay. So I think it's actually just you two in the library right now. Isabel and Frank had, had left previously, and you guys are kind of just sitting in the main section of the library at just two large tables that kind of, you know, there's like three sets of these really long tables that kind of just are right next to the, like the checkout desk. They kind of just have like a bunch of chairs on, on both sides and people just can sit down there and, you know, do work or whatever. But right now the library is completely empty, save for you two. As you guys are just uh, sitting down next to each other in these these wooden stiff chairs kind of elbows on this, on this long old table. You kind of notice how empty the library seems and how weird it is to see it, you know, at, at this time with, with nobody in there. And she just kind of um, quietly sobs and, and wipes some tears away with it, with a napkin. And she just says, if you want to get going, I, I completely understand. You've, you've been here a while. Thank you for, for looking after me. One thing, can you remind me real quick? I think I wanted her to call Manny. Did she do that? Did that happen already? She she hasn't tried to call him again, and you don't really get the impression that she's going to. You think maybe this might just be too much for her right now, and she's just going to... She knows, based on the fact that you guys had met and speaking with, spoken with Manny, that he is kind of aware of the situation and stuff like that. And she's just... She's just going to let it go for tonight because she's just so upset. She doesn't want to call anybody. She, That was something that kind of came from the in, initial excitement of, of learning Charlie's death and her just sort of panic and, and trying to call Manny and 
But now that things have kind of calmed down a little bit, she's just kind of grieving right now. Not really interested in calling Manny. Norma, can you give me a ride, maybe? Sure I... thing. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. She she wipes the, the makeup from underneath her eyes, and she picks up her purse, and you can kind of hear the keys jangling as she... Um, she gathers the, the few belongings she has to, to go back out to the car. And you guys go out through that, that back door that she had um, left open for you that, that one time you'd gone to visit her. And she kicks the rock out from, from the space between the door as you guys both go through and kind of locks the door behind her with, with the set of keys and gives it a few test tugs to make sure it's shut. She just says, all right, and you guys make your way back around the side of the building over to the the front parking lot where only her car is and it's a it's a brown jeep she presses the the you know the lock button and you hear it unlock and you guys kind of both get in and she starts the car and begins driving and you know she kind of turns over and and looks at you and smiles endearingly and she she takes a, a hand and just puts it on your shoulder and just gives you like a squeeze and just she says Thank you, Katrina. You're a good friend. We'd stick together, Norma. You see her, she, she smiles as she, she looks ahead and just kind of keeps driving. She's like, you know, I've often questioned myself as far as being... I, you know, I, I never really believed that I was the, the best choice to be, to be the leader of this, this court and this freehold. I, I never really trusted that I had the right sort of of leadership skills to 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 make it happen but things have been relatively quiet enough that it's just i've been able to just kind of slide under the radar and i i mean i think i'm a smart person i think i'm a capable person i i went to school i i do my best for the freehold but i i don't know if i want this anymore uh, after after my season is up i i think we should pick somebody else and, and i think i'm going to step down i thought you did a good job but I can, I can respect that, especially with the things that are happening now. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you saying that. It, it, it does mean a lot to hear that from you. I feel like I, I really failed you guys. No, no, never. Uh, you didn't have, you didn't have any more, I don't know, information than we did. We just stumbled into this, really. And she, she cracks the window down a little bit and lights up a cigarette. And the rest of the 25-minute drive, she's, she's mostly silent. She smokes about half of the cigarette and, and flicks the other half out the window. And then when, when you guys get to, to your street, she kind of pulls over on the side, not turning the car off or anything like that, not pulling into your driveway, and she just kind of stops the car for a second. And she just looks at you, and she goes, well, I don't, I'm not really sure where we go from here. I think it's important that we try to get a good night rest and yeah. we'll regroup tomorrow and figure out what we're going to do about, about Charlie's people, how we're going to tell his grandma, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I just, I just feel like I need a rest. Yeah, me too. And you should too. You get a good night's sleep tonight and goodness knows you've, you've seen a lot and been through a lot tonight. And Listen, I, I need you to be, I need you to be okay for me. I was going to say the same thing. And she smiles at you. She says, all right, well, I think this is your stop. Thanks so much, Norma. I'll call you tomorrow morning. 
And she waits for you to unlock the door and go inside before she slowly drives off. Yeah, um, I do. Okay, so now I want to jump to Isabel. What if where are you since um since talking to to Melissa and Ronnie and kind of giving them the the lowdown on what happened to their their motley mate? It was pretty late, wasn't it? It was pretty late. I think it was I think it it had been like around 8:30ish or 8:45 like it was it was getting dark and I think that's where we had left it off last time. Um and we'll we'll say it's it's nighttime now. We'll say it's about 10:30. Well, then Isabel's done with this bullshit and she's going home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can jump ahead to to where you are now if you want. You don't have to describe like everything you've you've done since meeting them. We can just say if you want like you went home after that. Yeah. Yeah, she would have gone home and like just called it a night. She's <sighs> these people, they suck. <laughs> totally all this, understandable. All this stuff has just really been it's been a lot for her. Yep, that's perfectly understandable. You can totally imagine the events have been draining and you kind of just go home and crash. Yeah, I mean like it's it emotionally draining, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. let's go back to uh Raymond in the hedge right now. So just a, a quick little recap about what happened last time. You had found yourself stuck in the hedge when you uh, went to Manny's house and kind of were trying to scope things out a little bit. You had activated a contract to help you blend in with the darkness. And through waiting and kind of almost like in a, in a meditative state, just blending in with the darkness you know, you're, you're darkling, just really like being able to tap into that, like that natural darkling sense that you have and kind of blend in. You found yourself stuck in the hedge where you encountered some sort of creature, had the face of a woman, the body of a snake, told you that it, it wanted to dance with you one last time and you took off running. So we'll say that you've been running until you you ran out of breath and you're just you're just stuck in this place right now that is just goes on as far as you can see in every direction and you're not really sure where the fuck you are the, this place is completely swamp like and dark you don't see any stars in the sky anymore it's just complete pitch blackness when you look up all around you you see the 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 flora of the of the everglades the the different vines and, and swamps and all this type of just plant life just growing out of control. And you your run slows down to a to a walk as you find yourself completely winded and you have to actually stop to, to put your hands on your knees and, and try to try to catch your breath. You get the feeling that whatever was following you is is far enough back that you don't have to worry about it for, for the second. Um, not that it's off your mind. Um, you just you just feel like you might have put at least enough distance from you two that you can you can try to catch your breath for the second. Yeah, when I'm like stop to catch my breath, you know, I'm like got my hands on my knees and I'm just like breathing hard and I try to like stand up and so I can like expand my lungs more while I'm taking in breaths. I'm like looking around and I just for a second there, like an exhaustion, you know, like pure like physical exhaustion that I feel at the moment, like try to focus in on my thoughts and like to process everything that's been going on because I feel like 
with Raymond being this exhausted and tired, it's hard to panic, you know, because like he's like all that adrenaline dump and everything that happened, and he's just trying to like think clearly. And I think he realizes at this moment that like he's pretty much fucked. You know what I mean? But it's not like a sense of helplessness that he had before he ran in the snake lady. You know what I mean? And he knows that like the one anchor that's like gonna keep him thinking that suicide's option is that gun that he has with him, you know? So like out of frustration, he like was gonna tap into like those last reservoirs of like well, not last reservoirs, but you know what I mean? Strength to just try to huck it, like huck this gun like out into the flora, into the the, the swamp that's you know what I mean, surrounding him. He just wants to get rid of it because he feels like right now that that's like a along with that is coming like the the, the thoughts, the toxic thoughts, because even though it, he does feel helpless right now and he does realize he's not going to come back from here, he is starting to feel like the sense of like of purpose, I guess, because he's realizing now that at this moment that like, A, he's probably not going to be coming back from here, but B, like no one's going to discover this. You know what I mean? Like no one's going to probably fall upon what he fell upon. And so like he has one... I guess, chance of making things right. You know what I mean? And if it, I mean, what else does he got to lose? You know what I mean? He's probably going to die anyways. You know what I mean? And uh, he much rather, I mean, he, I would even say like his actions right now, the way he's accepted, like what is surrounding him and like even saying, okay, I might as well try to do something here is suicidal in its own way. But he feels it's more of like an honorable thing to do. Like he might as well try to right his wrongs, even though people may never know just for like his own good. So he just like hucks that pistol like out into the, swamp you know what i mean and just just then i'm just gonna like kind of stand there and i think what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna wait to see if i hear those bells again because you remember you said oh no horns i think it was horns he said right that like like so he's just i'm just gonna stand there and just like really like close my eyes and try to listen to what's going on around me and if i don't hear the the the, the horns then i'm gonna at least just might as well walk in the direction that i think i remember them coming from if that makes sense so yeah you you give that gun a, a really good toss you know and you remember like when you were like a little kid just when you were on the baseball team and you weren't like the best player and stuff like that but you just this this fond memory just kind of passes your through your mind of just normal life and and that that gun just goes pretty far and, and it's silent for a couple seconds and then you hear a splash out in the distance and and you know it's landed and as you kind of wait you you don't really hear much Except for the, the the crickets of the of the swamp, kind of just chirping loudly, you're kind of just standing there, crouched over, catching your breath, eyes closed as tight as possible, and just hearing this this chirping that just seems to just be echoing in your head right now. And save for that, everything is silent, and you focus on this chirping, and it it's just rhythmic almost. It's 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 hypnotic. It kind of it starts to relax you a little bit and you start to hear something else. Can you give me a um, wits and composure, please? Uh, give yourself a plus one on that as well. Zero successes. So yeah, you, you just notice how, how loud this, this chirping seems and, you know, not hearing any more of the, of that, that horn sound that you had heard earlier, which was just something about it just struck fear in your heart. Something, that you just you just knew whatever was behind it was was just somehow familiar and just just terrifying. It was like a a a part of you from a past life was just reminded of of something 
you know, it, it's like you remembered it, but like on like this weird biological level almost. When you heard that horn, it just struck fear in your heart. It just filled you with absolute terror. And you knew whatever it was, though, though you couldn't put a face to it, that it was it was something terrible. But you don't really hear that. You, you just hear the crickets, and, and you're not really sure what direction any of that is coming from. So you start to walk forward a little bit. And your feet, you start to, you, you feel this, like you, you kicked something by accident. And you, you look down to see what it is, and it's it's round and yellowish white color, and the darkness is just kind of obscuring it a little bit. So you you lean in to, to get a closer look, and you you can make it out. It's it's almost spherical in shape, and you kick it over a little bit to see what it is, and and you can see that this is a skull. This is a some type of skull, and it's not a human skull. It looks like a bird or something. It's bigger than any bird you've seen. It's it's a large skull, but it it's strange. And as you start to look a little bit beyond it, you notice another one. And then as you take a few steps forward, you notice two or three more. And as you look around into the brush, you notice that they're kind of all over the place, just stuck in vines, wrapped in the in the the brush of the swamp and buried or or slightly floating. And you kind of just see that there's like too many to even count and they're just all around you, you know, different yeah. stages of decomposition, just some cracked, some, you know, still looking like maybe some small remnants of, of flesh or, or feathers is somewhat attached. You know, like I would, I definitely think my guy is gonna, even though he has a sudden like surge of motivation to do quote unquote the right thing he still wants to get the fuck away from the bone so now he's gonna run but he's definitely not gonna like hang around and like you know what i mean like yeah yeah he's definitely gonna walk <laughs> he's walking because this is scary as shit you know what i mean because like he's constantly being reminded that this place is not well a he's being reminded like definitely like the hedge is not the real world and this is not a normal place but b this is where this is the place or this led to the place that where all his pain and suffering came from, you know what I mean? So it's like a constant, like just this set of reminders over and over again of what he's going back into. So yeah, he's walking. <laughs> I want to jump back to Katrina for a moment. So you've gone back into the house. Uh, you kind of throw your stuff down on the counter and out pops this bag that Charlie had given you a few days prior. And you can kind of see these dried brown and, and black herbs, not very much, just enough to just kind of line the, the bottom of this sandwich bag. And it just kind of plops onto the counter and along with like some of your other things, just like a matchbook and some lipstick and, and whatever else. And you just kind of look at it for a second. Yeah. Uh, I think she's going to just be standing there for a little recollecting uh well, the little time she knew Charlie. And I think then she's going to take a shower because she hasn't in a couple of days. <laughs> you go ahead and you shower and, you know, you kind of are, are trying to put yourself in like a normal routine to just kind of get comfortable at home again. Yeah, I imagine her behind. sitting on her bed, uh, restless, uh, probably like too many things going on in her head. Circling around what she's seen when Raymond shot Charlie. As you sit on your bed in your apartment, you can kind of see out into the 
kitchen area where your where your front door is where you came through and you you placed your purse on the counter and that bag is just still there it's almost calling to you it's just there just just like it's looking at you in a way so i think i succeeded in the role i know what it is it's nightcap right you do know what it is you you understand it to be a hedge grown plant that has psychoactive effects which like induce sleeping yeah i think after like maybe an hour of tossing around and not sleeping not getting rest she's just gonna not think about it too much just gonna uh i don't know eat it make tea with it what is it exactly <laughs> but it's just a plant and you probably from what you know about it you could probably do either you're not really sure the exact use of it but you know that some type of once it's ingested in whichever way it it produces the effects it's just uh, dried like dried leaves if you picked them up and and kind of felt it around in your hand they would crumble apart they're just um totally dried i think she would make tea with it so you you brew up uh some tea and you can kind of see these leaves in the in the cup as this steam sort of comes out of it and it produces this this smell it's it's bizarre it's strangely familiar but it's it's just not of this place at all and it just it reeks with this sweetness and it looks not good but it it looks like just magical in a way you you just get this this sense of of just like it's it's this it's this concoction it's this potion and and it smells like almost perfumey as the the steam and the vapors rise to your face and i feel a tingle in the word <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah you feel the weird katrina is going to drink that tea so you take a, a a deep gulp from the cup and you sit back and you instantly just start to feel the effects of this this plant um just come over you and it just starts with this just complete lightness of your body and you actually giggle out loud a little bit as it as it kind of sweeps you sweeps over you and you feel this flushness in your face almost like a drunkenness as you as you sort of lean back and it it gives you this this sense of bliss in a way before you just start to drift off into this very comfortable warm sleep and you just feel perfectly at peace as you as you drift off completely i imagine her like getting up from bed again when you say she giggles like jumping around like suddenly being scared uh of what's about to happen and what she did she probably just yeah. passes out on the floor like so yeah you you feel your your face against the the carpet of the floor and even though you fell it just feels nice it just feels warm you just feel like you're just sinking into this carpet right now and then the lights are out you're just completely asleep and as you as you fall into the complete sleep you you feel yourself drifting in dreams you feel yourself kind of jumping through dreams it's weird it's like a an astral version of yourself that is just kind of floating in space just in and out of dreams just whose dreams you're not sure maybe other people's dreams maybe the dreams of people like yourself but you're just almost walking stepping on each one to get to the next 
and it's it's like you're just kind of floating through space as you as you step in and out of each moment and it feels really strange to you but it also feels somewhat natural which i've had this experience before i'm not sure myself but i know like changelings generally are lucid dreamers and they have this ability so yeah you've definitely experienced stuff like this before you've just never been able to channel it in such a way you've never experienced it so strongly it just feels like you're all the way in if that makes any sense like you know you've had different successes at it before some days it felt like you were just grasping at it some days it felt like you were pretty pretty deep into dreams to to see and stuff like that and and now it just feels like this is as far as you can go you're just fully immersed into the the world of dreams so much so that you're just floating freely between different dreams you're you're just stepping through the experiences of many dreamers at once i think once she realizes how much control she has over this right now uh, she starts to think about it a bit more constructively like what can i do with this and she's gonna try to look for raymond or maybe like uh try to touch upon the weird to bring her to raymond you're kind of like just floating in this blissful space right now as that idea kind of crosses to your mind that maybe you could you could reach him even if he wasn't sleeping maybe there was some way that that the weird could could bring you to him somehow and you just feel this this bliss as you are just bodiless and and formless right now as you kind of just are are floating through this this astral space and you concentrate on Raymond and you you think about what he looks like and it's almost feels like ritualistic the way that you're kind of trying to focus in on him and then you feel a a sense of just complete blackness for a moment okay and now i want to go back to frank so you're frank you're sitting in the apartment right now it's like feels like it's burning hot in there it's just super warm you have the fan going manny's kind of left but the presence of his mantle is still just emanating in the room just just giving this sense of heat that just can't be let out at the moment and the apartment is quiet you you hear patricia and joe's tv on in the next room full volume because they they watch it extremely loud probably when they don't have their hearing aids in. But it's comforting for you to hear it because it, it makes you know that they're there and you you like knowing that they're there and that they're okay. Frank would probably, you know, just sit on his bed and take Fluffy on his be- uh, on his lap and, you know, just, you know, oh, Fluffy, what are we going to do? Just, you know, just petting him and just trying to sort of understand what's happening here you know with all the chaos and trying to understand if raymond ran or didn't you know because frank didn't think he'd run you know he seemed genuine to him so it's just sort of lost in thought and you you look over at the the digital clock that kind of sits right above your tv and you see it's 1201 right now and it's it's getting pretty late 
and you feel like a little bit of heaviness in your eyes as you start to feel a little bit tired. And right as you start to really relax and kind of sink into the couch a little bit, you hear like this, it's like running in the hallway or something like that. Like somebody like ran down the hallway and you think it odd because you, you know that, I mean, some of your neighbors have, have kids, but they, they don't live on this floor, but it's, there has been times in the past where the kids have kind of run, run in the hallways and stuff like that, maybe playing tag in the building or whatever. So it's not something that is very weird to you, but it is something that kind of jars you out of this relaxation that you're feeling. Okay. Yeah, that's definitely something that seemed very out of place. It was just like somebody just ran by and like after that it just stopped. So you just hear like these steps just like boom 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 and then and then nothing. It's like outside or in the apartment complex. It sounds like it's inside the apartment building. Okay. And you hear people walking by every now and then. There's there's a bunch of other apartments on this floor. People come and go at all hours, but it is it was slightly jarring to, to hear running because usually people don't run. Okay. So Frank will probably, you know, put Fluffy up down and just say, Wait here, Fluffy. I'm gonna take a look what's happening here. You know, slowly walk, open his door and just take a look at what's happening, you know, see if anyone anyone's in trouble or something. So you open the door and peek out. Uh, you take a look both ways and you don't see anything. You see like the, the yellow light of the apartment building's hallway and you see this very colorful pattern carpet that kind of is throughout the, in, the entire foyer of this, of this apartment building. And you don't see any people at all, just, just shut doors down both sides. And so the way that the apartment building works, it's like there's like corridors kind of. So if you went out and you looked straight out, you would see this, the door to the staircase. Also, there's an elevator in the building because it's about five stories high of apartments. And then you could go you know, down either way and there's just like apartments lining, lining the, the, the sides of this place. And then in the middle, there's like the elevator and a door to the, the stairwell. So as you look out, you just, you just see the, the shut doors of other people's apartments. Hello? Uh, Everything okay? Hello? I heard some running. And yeah, you just... nothing. Hmm. Well, would Frank know uh, if, for example, the steps went outside, you know, did he hear a door shut or anything like that? It just sounded like somebody just ran by your door. Just um, by the door. And, I mean, you would have been able to tell, like, they ran by the door this way, like into that part of the corridor or whatever, because okay. you would have heard the steps going that way. And then before like cutting out. So you kind of have a sense of, of the direction that, that the, the, whatever steps were coming from, you know, went. Okay. So I suppose, you know, Frank would, be like, Frank would go straight towards where he heard that sound come from. Yeah, just, I assume there's there's a light on. Yeah, the the hallway of this of this building, they're all um, fully lit at all hours. 
So yeah, you you take a few steps over past the the corner to see if you can see anything down there, and you don't see you know anything. And you take a few steps forward again to see if you can peer down the other corner, and you don't see anything over there either. And right as about right as you're about to turn back to to start stepping back towards your apartment, you hear a door shut, and you think about it for a second and. That sound registers that it might be your apartment door shutting, and you feel this sort of like rise in you as you as you realize that. Frank's gonna sprint toward his own door, just you know, full on. Hey, what do you think you're doing? And you push the door open, and you you kick through, and you see um, Ronnie and Melissa both standing in your apartment. What are you doing here? Where is he? Where's who? Raymond. Where the fuck is he? And you see Ronnie, he, he's like chasing your dog around and he, he picks her up. What are you doing to Fluffy? Tell me where the fuck he is now. I'll do it. You'll do it? You'll do what? And you see, he, he looks at the dog and he looks back up at you and he's just like, tell me! I don't know where he is, but if you don't put Fluffy down, well, let's just say... This is the third story, and that window opens all the way. Bullshit. You're friends with him, and you're fucking hiding him. Yeah, you tell us now, or I swear to fucking God I'll kill your dog. I don't know, okay? Manny, let him go. You hear some banging on your door, and shortly after, you, you hear Joe's voice. Frank? What the hell's going on in there, Frank? Are you okay? Everything's fine, Joe. Everything's fine. Who's in there with you? And you hear him oh. still pounding on the door. Frank, open up. It's fine. It's just some friends. And you see Ronnie is, is holding Fluffy under one arm like this and holding the other hand out like this. And you can see he has, he has some sort of, um, of knife in the, in the other hand. Look, I, I understand that this is difficult, but... Listen, you like don't fucking understand. He was my fucking friend. He was my brother. And you see, and he just he just um, kicks your your kitchen table over, and a few glasses just just shatter on the ground as the table just falls onto its side. And uh, Melissa just kind of seems to be just like watching. She's just like she's just standing there, just watching both of you, just completely cold expression. She she just seems like she she's just looking at you like very coldly, just like not excited at all, just ready for whatever is about to happen next. Look, we can talk this through. Just let Fluffy go, man. She turns to Ronnie and she just says, "Okay, drop, put it, put her down." And you see Ronnie. He he looks at the dog for a second and he 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 puts the dog down and he just starts. Just starts crying uncontrollably, just just like a child, just like a, a child having a fit, and you know he's just wailing. Look, this this is goes. Just, I don't know. Ugh. You know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. You know. You see, Ronnie. He he starts to to look like he almost looks like he's charging towards you for a second. And Melissa steps in the middle and just kind of like to push him back. And he's just like, 
the fucking nerve of you to say something like that to me. And, you know, it's like he's trying to reach for you a little bit. And Melissa is kind of just like, okay, okay, that's that's enough. That's enough. Listen, do you – and Melissa turns to you and she goes, listen, do, where is he? You – I know you, that you guys are, 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 are friends or, or something. I don't know what the fuck your deal is with him. But listen, he wronged us and we need to find him. And I told you if you want to find him, well, then I don't know where he is. It's the truth. And I'm no liar. And you see, they kind of both just look at each other for a second. And, they're, and they just kind of look disappointed almost. I think you should leave. Listen, you, you must know something. I'm, I'm sorry about how we came in here. Look, that wasn't right. We just, we thought maybe he was here with you. And there's got to be something you know that, that can help us, please. I can't talk about it. It's... It's too dangerous for you. And the, she she just looks at you somewhat puzzled. Just, what happened in there? Why did he do it? Well, the truth is, was that Charlie, well, he wasn't really himself at the time. And you Probably. see they both just look at each other for a second. And then they look back at you and they say, go on. You know, about the... The fair folk, you know, well, well, we probably think that they were somehow involved and Charlie was one of their, uh, was their, uh, what's it, what did Manny call tools or puppets, that's what Manny called it. And they, they look at each other again and you're, um, can you give me a... Just give me the uh, the the wits and composure to try to read their try okay. to read this sort of hidden talk via facial expressions that they're doing with each other. Okay, two successes. So something that you're talking about is is causing them to have this reaction where they're just kind of like looking at each other for like cues right now. You said something about like the Truffet and and Charlie and stuff like that, and they're just. They're kind of looking at each other like you said something that might have it's triggered some kind of response and they're just like tell us tell us a little more what, what do you mean what do you mean true fay what do you mean tools look I, I can't talk too much about it this is court stuff way high up i've already told you too much and you just see ronnie's face is just completely worried and he just he just looks to melissa and he's just like it's just like the fucking kid said. He was fucking right. And Melissa just says, Ronnie, shut up. We're leaving now. He was fucking right, man. We got to get out of here. This whole time. And she's just like, Ronnie, shut your what? mouth now. We're getting what out of here. What was he right about? You know what? You just forget about it, okay? No. We're going. No, you're not going anywhere until you tell me. Get the fuck away from me. And she goes to, she goes to like, swing at you. Yeah, a lot of you guys both roll... Uh, uh, one die plus dexterity plus composure. Okay, that put my initiative at 10. You have the higher initiative here. She's just going to try to just like full out just just swing at you. Yeah, at this point, Frank's pretty pissed. So full on deck her in the face. I mean, they threatened Fluffy. Is it just her that's coming at me? Or yeah, Ronnie's, Ronnie's not, not doing anything. He's shaken by whatever 
you know, whatever this conversation just brought up, he just has realized something and now he's shaken. She's freaking out and trying to get out of here. So she's going to try to punch you, but she has the lower initiative than you. And first, as a reflexive action, I use the gift Might of the Terrible Brute, which makes me roll strength plus weird. And I add the number of successes to my strength for my next action, which, you know, it costs one glamour. Okay, so one extra dice. And what's the combat roll? It's strength plus brawl, right? Yep. It's going to be a dice. Minus defense and armor. No armor in this case. And defense is two. Which gives me two successes. She just fucking takes your, your punch and just just flies backwards into the wall. And you just kind of see... As her back hits the wall and kind of cracks this 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 cheap drywall, she just looks surprised a little bit, and a, a trickle of blood just kind of comes out of her mouth a little bit as she just slams down hard, and she just kind of like turns and and tries to tries to shrug it off, but she she's like unable to stand. And it's just like you're staying here until you tell me everything. She she's just like totally seeing stars at this point the wind is knocked out of her and she's just kind of like <gasps> trying to trying to catch her breath again trying to stand back up but but having trouble frank is just gonna walk up to her and grab her by the neck and i thought i asked you a question hello folks have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by! We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing.
The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. But why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.